Everybody, we are here today to talk about the sign of Capricorn in esoteric tarot. If you're here to talk about the Great British Baking Show, you're in the wrong place. <laughs> the cards that we're going to cover are the Devil, the Two, Three, and Four of Discicles, the Queen of Pentacles or Discs, and to a lesser extent, the Knight or Prince of Swords. We'll also be talking about the world or universe card, which is interesting in this case, because it stands in both for the ruler of Capricorn, which is Saturn, and for the elemental major of Earth. Funny, it's the only case where that happens. So Capricorn is a negative or night or yin sign. It is of the elemental triplicity of Earth. Its mode or quadruplicity is cardinal. And it is ruled, as we said, by Saturn. The moon is in detriment, Mars is exalted, and Jupiter is fallen. So one thing that's kind of interesting about those dignities that Kelly Surtees was talking about on the astrology podcast is that here we are kind of at the the Saturn signs, the Saturn ruled signs, Capricorn and Aquarius are on the opposite side, axially from the signs of the luminaries, the sun and the moon, Cancer and Leo. Yep. So it's sort of like the darkest, dimmest Saturnine signs. The outer reaches of the univ uh, the solar system. Mm -hmm. And what's also interesting is that, you know, it's the malefics, Saturn and Mars, that are in the best shape here, <laughs> you know, ruling and exalted. Whereas, you know, those most promoting of growth, the moon and Jupiter, not necessarily the benefics, but those most promoting of, of expansion and growth are, um, are not doing so well, have poor dignity. Mm -hmm. The term Capricorn just means goat horn, I guess. The Greek term is Igokeros, which means exactly the same, goat horn. And the Hebrew name for it is Gadi, meaning goat, which is mm, the same thing you hear in Deneb al -Gedi. It almost sounds like the Arabic name as well. The, yes, the alpha star yes, we'll yes. talk about is Al-Gedi. Al-Gedi, I'm not sure how exactly how they would pronounce it. So yeah, so here we are in the resourceful and pragmatic sign of the goat whose motto is... I use. <laughs> Here we are with the users. Yeah, that 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 sounds, you know, it sounds kind that of can be taken terrible. In different ways. It can be certainly taken in a negative way, but also in a resourceful way. Yes, in a focused and confident and organized way, uh, highly practical. So for me, Capricorn is my eleventh house, and it is completely untenanted. Do you have anything there? I have nothing in Capricorn. Um, it's mostly my 12th house. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So I've had all these, you know, planets in my 12th house for yeah. what feels like and actually has been many years now. Yeah. These transits of the, uh, you know, the heavy hitters for the last few years, all being in Capricorn. It's, yeah. It hasn't it's been, been too tough. good for my mental health. Let's just say that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. With having it in the 11th, you know, I mean, 
it's not like I'm awesome at keeping up with my friendships, but I've been especially terrible <laughs> with all this Capricorn action going on. And it's been just generally bad for human connection altogether. Yeah. So what can we say about Capricorn? Um, you know, Cardinal Earth, super rule abiding, super pragmatic, super purposeful, very yeah, structured. Yeah, like some archetypes would be the, you know, if you think about the Cancer Capricorn axis of Cancer is maternal, well, Capricorn is more the paternal, the, the you know, the father mm -hmm. figure, the executive, the the authority figure, you know, the the bureaucrat even. In a way, you know, all the things that we associate with Saturn are more Capricorn-y things than Aquarius-type mm. things, you know, in a way, mm -hmm. in the sense that, first of all, it's earthy and slow and, you know, very, very systems-based, very... Heavy and determined. Yeah. Determined is a really good word. They're, they're, they're definitely in it to win it. Yeah, and it doesn't really matter how long it takes, which is, you know, which is exactly. an earth thing, that kind of patience, as opposed to, you know, we just been through Sagittarius, which is impulsive and fast, and Capricorn's very much the opposite. Yeah, it's time to get down to business after all that gallivanting. <laughs> Party's over. <laughs> Another thing that, you know, we associate with Saturn is, you know, binding and holding things together and cohering. Like if you pick up a clod of earth, it kind of holds together. And, you know, there's that phrase from the Orphic hymns, the unbreakable chains, which we actually see in the devil card, the Desmus Erectus, which is, you know, the idea that Saturn kind of forms this, uh, the orbit of Saturn, traditionally speaking, as the outermost visible planet, you know, forms this kind of like chain around the known universe. <laughs> Boundary, yeah. Yeah. And it's also, you know, and this is something I think we'll talk about. Also, Saturn was, or Kronos was, a fertility god, too. So, mm -hmm. you know, even though we think in modern terms of Saturn as being a limiter, a terminator of being opposite to growth, it's the rest that promotes growth, ultimately. <laughs> you know, it is that which um, allows the soil to regain its yeah. power and to grow. The, the whole concept of time, I mean, over time, things decay, but over time, they also grow. You know, <laughs> empires are built over time. Yes, Yes. And it, that reminds me, you know, what you're saying about the conflation of Cronus and Cronus. Mm. You know, uh, Cronus is a Saturn, Cronus C-R-O-N-U-S or K-R-O-N-O-S, uh, the father of Zeus, the, um, the great Titan, the, the one we think of when we think of Saturn. But also, you know, later on, there's this god Cronos, C-H-R-O-N-O-S, the god of time, who sort of eventually came to be conflated with Cronos K. So, mm. you know, the idea that there's this um, demiurgic, watchful, old, powerful figure that kind of counts the hours from a titanic perspective. There's something also about, you know, the way Saturn establishes what the standards are, you know, what the way you're going to measure things and know that you're succeeding with them. The, the measurement of space and time to me is really part of his domain and Capricorns. So, you know, it's like, I think there's a real emphasis in the Capricorn outlook on deliverables, on things that you can see and feel that measure your success. Yeah, there's definitely, you know, 
there's matter, there's time, and there's that whole concept of manifestation. I think we also expect a lot of planning and structure and stamina, too. Oh, for sure. Yep, yeah. endurance. Yeah, it's interesting because I think of Capricorn as being a great planner looking to the future, but also very much looking to the past, kind of like the widest, longest perspective, mm -hmm. both backwards and forwards. Yeah, they tend to they tend to respect tradition, ancestors, authority, mm -hmm. and court their success through looking at what's worked before mm -hmm. and building upon it. Yeah, that's interesting because like, you know, I mean, we'll talk about it in the Kabbalah section that it, the devil cards associated with Ayin, the eye, the looking backwards and forwards and the long term perspective, even though we just came from Sagittarius, who's, you know, one of whose mottos is I seek or I see. Yeah, um, that looking backwards and forwards, that's, you know, that does kind of make me think of Janus too, you know. Yes, 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 yes. The, the god of looking both forward and back in time i guess whose whose time who literally falls during uh the middle during of capricorn, the capricorn season yeah yeah january yeah yeah it's definitely you know you see throughout the cards associated with this sign the themes of death and rebirth i mean you could literally say that about any tarot card but <laughs> especially this you know in the sense that we talked about how the ten of wands is sort of like this logical end point for things that have grown to the point where they can grow no more. And then the two of discs, which follows, is going to be that turning point where you go in the other direction. Yeah, what so do we want to say about Capricorn as a sign in general before we go into this card-by-card mm -hmm. card stuff? You know, we've talked a little bit about there's kind of a cool rule-following affect, very self-reliant uh, and goal-oriented. Right. There's a dignity. I, I, you know, I, I think of a lot of them as the strong, silent type, very dignified. They're not the class clowns of Sagittarius, you know. <laughs> They're more no. straight, straight arrows, you know, with a good business sense and, you know, quietly, steadily ambitious. The, the closest Capricorn I have or had in my life was my dad. And I never really thought about it at the time. But, you know, no matter what he did, and he was not a stern person at all, but whatever he did, you, you know, I mean, he was like very sort of naturally orderly and not mm. in a Virgo way, but just like, for example, he was an artist, right? And when he drew anything, it would be exactly in proportion, you know, right. like yeah. he just he, would, he didn't even need to think about that's just that's just how it should be, right? You know, and there is a, just a natural um, understanding of that. And just in the way he presented himself, too, it's not like he ever fussed over his appearance, but he always seemed quite put together. When you start hearing all this like, oh, industrious, opportunist, uh, you know, calculating, you start thinking of all this like they seem kind of um, I know stoic and and, you know, you're thinking that it's really dry, but they're also earth sign. You know, they may be reserved, but. That doesn't mm -hmm. mean they're not lusty. You know what I mean? And, right. And, and right. They, they, it doesn't mean they're not humorous, too. They have a very dry, you know, usually self-effacing dry wit about them that is can mm -hmm. be quite hilarious, you know? Right. But, you know, it's Saturn. So we're, you know, when we were talking about Sagittarius, it was all jovial themes. Now here we're in Saturnine themes. There is a tendency sometimes to, you know, melancholy or gloom or, you know, negativity cool, coolness yeah. you know yeah and sort of like being very aware of all the ways that things might right. be a bad idea there can be like <laughs> tendency to saturn to be rigid or overly conservative you know and not being able to loosen up 
kind of like duty before leisure, you know, <laughs> somebody's got to police the Sagittarians. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I think of the, you know, of the squad car pulling up outside the party that's, you know, turned into a hot box. There's also a, an ability to not lose your cool. Dignified, kind of hard-headed, mm-hmm. um, practical. Basically logical, not likely to yep. fly off the handle kind of a thing. But, you know, there's I've read many times that there's a quality to Capricorn that they are like, you know, little old men, little old ladies when they're young, but they're late bloomers. And then when they're old, they seem youthful and like they, they like kind of like. Oh, for they have sure. their fun. They have their dessert last, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I know. I mean, <laughs> so my dad, he was like, you know, I think you met him before he was still around and he was like, he never looked his age, you know? I mean, yeah, I was 80. That's a, that's a Capricorn trait. Yeah. His hair just, just didn't bother to go. His, his hair just never went completely gray. One thing I always thought that maybe it was a Capricorn thing was that like, you could buy my dad a medium of everything and he would fit it perfectly. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's like, it well, was like good made, bone structure. The standard is made to fit the bone structure of Capricorn. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Mm. I think of the idea that the devil is the lord of the gates of matter. You know, they're, they're good at this stuff that happens in this world. Mm-hmm. You know, anything that pertains to the way things are run here on earth, <laughs> as opposed to the yeah. way they might be, <laughs> you know, is going to be comfortable for Capricorn. Pay your taxes and right. do be your responsible citizen. <laughs> yes. Yes. By the way, vote everybody. All right. So about the devil a little bit more. Um, I think it would be fun to talk about him because, mm-hmm. you know, he has these two faces in a way, the sort of like scary yeah antagonist face, but also the sort of like joyful, all begetting Pan Pan Genador face, which mm-hmm. we see in um, Crowley's version. And I think both are true. Yeah. Then there's also that, you know, the difference between the devil as being evil and the devil as being a redeemer figure. Yeah. For mankind. Again, how you feel about knowledge. Should you eat the apple or not? And Great. Knowledge is power. And this is definitely a card of power. I, I also think of that idea of Saturn, both with with the dual faces, Saturn, the uh, father time sort of ender of all things figure versus the the agricultural cornucopia figure. And in fact, the cornucopia is or can be said to be a goat horn providing plenty. There's but- definitely the whole like the the lust for life that's in this card, like the unstoppable growth. Like when I see the devil card, I often think of, you know, in Buddhist terms, if you believe in rebirth, Mm -hmm. that the thing that draws souls to rebirth is that craving for life and that craving for experience, you know, that, that craving for matter for to be, to be incarnate. Yes. Yes. It makes me think of a couple different things, you know, I mean, first of all, there's that sort of churning sense of, you know, the wheel turning around, the samsara wheel turning around in the two of discs. But also, you know, the idea that at this time of year, the darkest time of year up here, there's every culture from the Northern Hemisphere has a festival of lights. There's like a need to to light the, a candle in the darkness um, and start things up again. Also makes me think of when you talk about reincarnation, it makes me think of the idea in some ATRs that the world is the marketplace. And when you leave the world, when you die, 
you are leaving the marketplace and your soul wants to return to that place of life and color and activity uh, and commerce. You know, and if you think about in the dark of winter, the way if you're driving outside or passing through a city, you see how everything is lit up and that's the sign of civilization. That is very much um, something I associate with this time and this card, the the busyness or the right. sustenance industry. of civilization. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The yeah, wheels yeah. of industry moving mm-hmm. along. Which is more visible when everything else is dark. There's also, also this idea of, of matter itself and whether or not, you know, reality is real. Like there's this illusion of of matter. The illusion of matter is that we think it's real. We think that's all that there is. And that's a form of bondage that's shown in the devil card. You know, we, th- mm-hmm. we think this is it. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's true. And that's, you know, and that's, that's a theme that goes with the devil card and the and the letter Ein also, you know, there's this concept in uh, mystical Judaism of the, the good eye and the bad eye, Ein, Ein Hatov, and that's the good eye and Ein Hara, and that's the evil eye. And the idea is that you can look with your eye and be grateful for everything that has been provided for you. And on the other hand, you can look and say, well, it's never enough, right? And both of those are kind of aspects of this card, Mm -hmm. you know, the sort of like the excitement and enjoyment and lust for life, but also the sort of sense that I really am always going to need more. Yeah, it's really interesting because even though matter is an illusion, matter (laughs) is also real at the same time. And it's interesting because the illusion of form is what manifestation is. So to to manifest something, to make it real, you're creating this illusion of form, if that makes sense. Right. And recognizing that it's an illusion gives you the power to see past the illusion or to create other illusions. Yes. Uh, Knowing that you can trade in a sense, it's a choice. Another thing that I sort of thought of in uh, Christian worldview is I was thinking of the story of Saint Expeditus. And, you know, so Saint Expeditus is the patron saint of procrastinators, right? <laughs> the story is that, uh, before he was a saint, Expeditus encounters the devil and he's thinking of converting to Christianity and the devil's like, oh, but you he's could always, <laughs> yeah, you could always do it tomorrow. Tomorrow's good. Manana. And, and Expeditus says, no, today, Hodier. And that is, you know, the idea that, that you seize the moment. But that made me think of the devil as a Saturnine figure of delay and slowing things down and, you know, and just saying, eh, we could do it tomorrow. It's not all that urgent. Um, the other thing about, I think that Crowley mentions about his devil figure is that it's the zenith of the zodiac, the sun turning north again. It's actually at its, at its southernmost point. For both hemispheres. Yeah, it's, it, there's just such an interesting play of opposites, you know, the, the nadir of the year, the dark point of the year, but yet on the, you know, wheel of the horoscope, the natural wheel, it's at the top, the zenith, the mountain. Right, right. He has a great quote here. I think it's, um, I put it on the Thoth page here. The sign of Capricorn is rough, harsh, dark, even blind. The impulse to create takes no account of reason, custom, or foresight. It is divinely unscrupulous, careless of result. You know he just loved that idea of being divinely unscrupulous, (laughs) careless of result. (laughs) Given his his envisioning of this card, he really did think of it as a kind of blind lust. A blind force, yeah. A force of creation that, you know, Mm -hmm. didn't have to think about it. Mm -hmm. 
In fact, it's better if you don't think. <laughs> I, another image that I think of with this card is one time I was, they had just paved the road. This was years ago. They just paved the road in front of my house. And like a week later, a mushroom grew up, pushed up the tar, grew up through the tar, pushed through it, broke through it. And I was just like, that's the devil. Blind force, this very yeah. phallic mushroom. Pushing For up sure. from the darkness through the tire and breaking through the road. And I was like, that okay. showed them. There it is. <laughs> Matter over mind, you know, another that reminds me of the inverse pentagram on the Rider Waite Smith devil, too, or Matter over spirit, the four points over one point. The idea that that's the thing that's that's going to get you out of this dark place is that yearning for the eternal force of life to persist. Like the Rider Waite Smith card is. Also, I think Waite talked about it as the horned goat of Mendes in the sense that this is like, you know, uh, based on Eliphas Levy's Baphomet picture, which Mm -hmm. seems to have been a foundational iconographic anchor for Western occultism (laughs) since it was published. He also calls the devil the dweller on the threshold. So Mm, that's very Saturnine, isn't it? Outermost classical planet. You know, in the idea of the hero's journey, there's always this threshold guardian that the hero has to get through to realize his heroic destiny. And, you know, that's one of the things that the devil does. He forces you to break through those constraints to find your way into uh, your legendary self. But it does seem like there has to be an adversary for people to succeed and prevail. And sometimes the devil just stands in there to do that work. Mm. I often think of, in terms of the larger story of Earth, the world's story, or the universe's story, I I think of that as, again, kind of like the fire story in the sense that you're claiming something, you're building bridges towards it, that's the sort of Taurus hierophant kind of energy, and then you are leaving a product behind, that's the Virgo hermit part of it so it's a similar narrative arc to what we see Mm. in the um, judgment or eon story i think that there's a lot of similarities between earth and fire in in the sense that one begins and one ends and when you get to the end of earth fire starts again they're definitely connected in the in the cycle right right and matter and spirit yeah and whereas i think of the story of fire as being more of one of like you know, aspiration and something intangible. I think of the story of Earth as being one about, okay, how are we going to start this all over again? How am I going to regenerate? You know, mm. to me, the, this sort of like two, three, and four of discs are cards of, you know, kind of just getting the engines going again, you know, mm-hmm. um, getting yourself kind of worked, literally worked up to produce in a time of what appears to be barrenness and darkness. The three decans we're talking about are change or harmonious change, the two of pentacles or discs, the work or material works, the three of discs, and then power or earthly power, the four of discs. I think of these three cards as really having a feeling of like a construction project, you know? Mm. (laughs) You can literally feel the, you know, the drills drilling and the hammers hammering in these three cards. There could be a story there, like the two of discs is like the startup phase of the company, you know, they... Mm -hmm. They're, they're um, 
trying to get you know investors and get get things going and then you know the real work begins in the three and then the four is when they become these like overly powerful plutocrats and for sure <laughs> happens every time and ruin yeah. everything <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we can really see that in both of the fours the sort of like miserly midas figure in the the four of discs who has the bottom of the tree of life reversed over him so Malkuta's matter is over his head and in the four of discs in thoth where all of the discs are now square and <laughs> and <A> literal <laughs> fortress exactly and crowley says it's the opposite of revolution which i i love i mean revolution both in the sense mm. of like upturning of society it's the opposite of that it's law and order but also you can't revolve like a wheel when you're square <laughs> right <laughs> right and you gotta yeah revolve is to evolve right evolve, you know and, and you're stuck also, I like what he has to say about the two, where he says, you know, this is the zero equals two, where having got to the bottom, one immediately comes out again at the top. Um, mm. You know, that's that idea of being at the... Yeah, that cycles are inevitable. Yeah, yeah. And that's, you know, we were talking about the headless right in the, in Sagittarius. And, you know, sometimes we conceive of the headless one, the deity, deity invoked as a thonic figure you know who's an inverse of the celestial god with his his head buried deep in the earth that's why he's headless and his feet you know seeing his feet exposed to the to the light of day there's definitely something here about being upside down and there's uh in picatrix the capricorn first decan is said to be relating to the ending of weak and sluggish things. So, you know, there's a quality of like, you know, renewal, but also starting the engine. Exactly. Getting rid of the, um, the old, wringing out the old gain and loss, I think is also part of that, which again, makes you think of Janice, the, the decans of the Capricorn two, that's the one where Mars is, you know, Mars being exalted in the sign, though not in the decan. And I think the signification is seeking to do what cannot be done, <laughs> which to me is like that kind of trying to move the earth, move the immovable, do the impossible is something that only the ferocity of Mars energy is capable of doing. By the time, as you said, we get to the four, it's like everything's working and it's starting to be all about accumulation and avarice. Mm. Um, I think the actual images are like a banker at a table counting his money. <laughs> the king is in the counting yeah. house counting all his. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that would put the queen in the parlor eating bread. and honey. <laughs> <laughs> That could be, could be, you know, I can imagine the queen, the queen, of, of, pentacles queen of pentacles. Yeah. <laughs> it is interesting though, the planetary um, rulers of the Deccans, you know, we've got the Jupiter and Saturn mm -hmm. as being kind of, polar opposites in the two and yet they work together because yes. opposites do yeah and in fact this is the one where we go from saturn in a jupiter ruled sign that's the ten of wands straight over to jupiter in a saturn ruled sign jupiter and capricorn it's almost like they switch places mm. and then in the, the the three the mars the that part about seeking to do what cannot be done it's kind of like you know, there's definitely a quality of building, building mm -hmm. something up, whether literally like a building 
or more abstractly, but you can build a building, but you cannot build a building that will last forever. Right. It just cannot be done. Right. No matter how much you may wish to, and you may seriously over-engineer it in the hopes that it will last forever, but right. uh, Saturn will still have his way. In but fact, there's, there's still the forces of time to contend with. Right. And that's something that they say of Saturn. You know, there's that line, Hostapanais menha pantakaioxes and palinautos in the hymn to Kronos, which is that part where you say, you know, you wither everything, you exhaust everything, but you also make everything grow. So in, in fact, those two are dependent on each other. You know, in order for things to grow, other things have to wither. And I mm. think, you know, we're seeing in this sign the responsibility to do that. I mean, somebody's got it. <laughs> As the universe expands, is, something is going to contract and the forces of entropy are going to continue one way or the other. Yeah. I think about your in Tabula Mundi, the way you go from, you know, the anvil choking off the fire in the flask to, you know, the hourglass where the forces of c compression and expansion, you know, lead to internal combustion. <laughs> There's something in here about goat metaphors that I like to think about. You know, there's the, <laughs> you know, the, the, if you think about Capricorn in these three decans, there's kind of like coming out of the sea, the spiral tail of kind of thrashing in the sea, which is something I see with the two of discs or pentacles in a way. And then, you know, in the three and four, it's like the goat climbing the mountain, you know, uh, mm. is, his aspiration and his, you know, um, ability to rise like the increasing light of the sun and to expend energy to get to the top of this vast mountain. I also think of that as like the, the rulers, the Jupiter in the first deck and promoting that constant flux, that constant change as the wheel. The wheel the, always turning, yeah. The wheel constantly time. turning, exactly. And then the Mars or the tower for that middle decan as being the combustion <laughs> the and the uh, and the drive you know yeah the drive to, to create to build exactly. the mars force you know the the desire to keep creating the sun as that final decan of capricorn is interesting because it kind of really puts the emphasis on just how far you can get to be the master of your fate and how you retain that kingship uh, once you get yeah there. because all of the planetary influences of that card they're all like the big wigs so mm -hmm. we've got the sun you know the center of all the big that's that's definitely a um authority mm -hmm. figure you've got capricorn itself saturn another authority figure and then you've got jupiter another mm -hmm. king figure you know mm -hmm. it's almost like too much power yeah too much kingship. yeah absolutely there's a working you can do according to agrippa as long as saturn's in capricorn which i guess would be appropriate for now uh where you can Draw an image of an old man leaning on a staff with a crooked sickle. This is all pretty obvious. Um, yeah. Clothed in black again, Saturn. And it, its intent yeah. is for increasing in power, which seems mm -hmm. completely predictable. There's also, here's a really funny one. I was looking to see if this is possible for us because there's a working with extremely specific electoral conditions with, which has Saturn in Capricorn, but Gemini on the ascendant where you can create a figure of prophecy that can foretell things to come so obviously that's the mercury oh yeah the gemini thing. speaking and yeah the, uh, yeah i think of like a time you know, what is to come 
a uh, eye of Zoltar kind of thing. <laughs> <laughs> the the conditions were so incredibly specific that we'll we may not see them in our lifetime you know how some of those magical workings are anyway so uh shall we talk about myths a bit yeah yeah we've of talked course. a little bit about father time but the um the uh, the the myth of of the goatfish is a pretty great one too yeah that's the story of pan as a satyr who then leapt into the nile to escape typhon when typhon the demon typhon was on a rampage and um everyone was <laughs> fleeing pan leapt into the nile to escape and uh transformed his lower half into a fish and his upper half into a goat to uh, get away <laughs> mm-hmm. the goat fish what would we do without that like typhon event i mean didn't isn't that the the story of venus and eros turning into fish as well for pisces i think yeah there's a lot there's a, <laughs> there's lot, of, a lot of things uh, that happened <laughs> that happened when typhon goes on a rampage <laughs> yeah and, and there's also in that story um where typhon ends up in a fight with jupiter with mm-hmm. zeus and removes the tendons from behind his knees which oh, yeah. the knees of capricorn i think you know that myth is good for the um knees the two yeah. because it brings in both jupiter and mm-hmm. and saturn mm-hmm. and capricorn so yeah so typhon you know uh, um is in this great battle with with zeus and hamstrings and basically like removes yeah. the tendons behind yeah. his knees and, and cripples him and um pan so literally fallen in capricorn. note on his on his pipe and scares away <laughs> typhon and you know hermes being ever curious comes down to see what the noise was all about and sees zeus you know and he, he goes and retrieves the, the his knee sinews and um mm-hmm. puts him back together so, and so that then zeus throws his massive thunderbolt yeah typhon and like he does <laughs> yeah. yeah and that's that's great because it's literally jupiter fallen in capricorn with which he is yeah uh, yep. which you actually often see these um literal metaphors of falling Very falling out in this case. Yeah. yeah 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 and also we have the uh the lusty type gods i mean pan as the satyr that's lusty enough right and um mm-hmm. but then there's the Priapus. And, and, and I think in 777, it also says erect Hermes and Bacchus. Yes, I saw that. Hermes yeah. and Bacchus. <laughs> yeah. And then there's the Babylonian god Ea, who was known as the antelope of the subterranean ocean, a similar kind of half water, half, um, half, half earth figure. But you one can't way- help but know that Crowley was drawing on the, the Priapus figure when he drew his... It was Capricorn his card of the giant, you know, <laughs> basically the the giant dong. Uh, <laughs> I, I I still I still laugh when I think about what Robert Wang says in the Kabbalistic Tarot when he's talking about this card and he, he brings up Priapus and he says it's the Roman god of the phallus to whom yeah. ass the ass was sacrificed <laughs> and then he says in parentheses you you can't say that without making a bad pun <laughs> yeah still makes me juggle <laughs> i also really like associating with this another myth of dionysus which is the myth of midas you know um yeah because, definitely so so the way the midas myth works i mean everybody knows about kind of the highlight of it but it was actually midas who did a favor for dionysus originally the centaur selenus was and this is sort of a hearkening back to sagittarius the centaur selenus had gotten lost or partied too hard in midas's course or something and and midas took care of him and then eventually helped him find his way back to Dionysus, who was his master. And Dionysus mm-hmm. was so grateful for that 
that he said, look, ask a favor, any favor. <laughs> and Midas famous decides, last words. famous last words, he would like everything he touched to turn to gold. And, you know, yep. Dionysus could see where this was going, but he wanted to see what would happen. So he grants this this foolish wish of Midas's. And of course, Midas soon, you know, um, starves and turns his daughter to gold. And he's very, very remorseful. And Dionysus allows him to wash the gift off uh, in a river. But to me, and wasn't that's he a... also given the ears of an ass at some point? Yes, in... that's another what? one that's also related story. to Pan. There's a competition between Pan and Apollo to see who's yes. the better musician. Who's better and, at music. And Midas, because Midas always does the wrong thing, you know, <laughs> says that it's Pan. Even when Pan had already conceded that right. Apollo was better. And Apollo's yeah, like, you don't want to yeah, do that. Don't, especially to Apollo. I mean, the guy is not going to take that. So, you know, he says, well, obviously you have the ears of an ass and he (laughs) fulfills his own prophecy by giving him the ears of an ass. So again, we have this sort of like themes of pan, solar themes, you know, themes of gold and um, the gift and curse of of gold. Desire and lust even. Yeah, for sure. So to me, that's like the myth of the four of pentacles that's sort of like hidden in that, Mm -hmm. in that solar Capricorn myth. You know, it helps me see the sense of humor in both the sort of devil pan Capricorn archetype. You know, there's like a, well, let's just see what happens, (laughs) you know, when you get what you ask for. I guess this will kind of tie into the astronomy part because it, but it's also mythology. Mm -hmm. So, you know, the figure in the sky was supposed to be a horned goat as opposed to another goat that's in the sky in the nursing goat that's supposedly Amalthea. part of Auriga, the chari- mm-hmm. um, charioteer. But so anyway, this horned goat supposedly, you know, can be traced back to ancient Babylonian times, the god sometimes called either Ea or Enki, mm-hmm. sometimes Oanes is a tie to that. But um, so Ea or Enki was he of the vast intellect and uh, lord of the sacred eye both things which sound very ah. much you know appropriate to to this card but basically he was a redeemer figure mm-hmm. and he brings in the great arc myth you know like so you know another god wants to wipe out mankind for being too irritating <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and you know and, and makes a big flood and and he he gives them all the knowledge of building the ark and saves them and and all mm-hmm. this stuff and he could transform himself he he would travel the waters of the abzu and he would do it in the form of a goatfish um mm-hmm. but he was sometimes also took the form of a snake and you know he was called the father of light and you can see where this is going you know yeah. it's it's yeah. that whole snake in the garden of eden bringing knowledge tying in and right. it's kind of how the devil came about because, you know, to, to Christianity, evil just equals the god of the previous religion. You right, know? right, 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 right. That's fascinating. That makes all kinds of sense. You know, literally demonizing the the, the yeah. previous deity. But anyway, yeah. the, the, the horn goat in the sky. So um, so that brings in the astronomy of the, the goat in the sky. So we've got the alpha star, which is actually a five-star cluster it's not just right. one star but it's called the alpha star and it's algeti or algeti i don't know algeti right. i guess um and it means the horn um and then there's also deneb algeti which is the tail the tail mm-hmm. of the goat right um and the uh that that star in in 
astrology usually denotes polarities, which is really interesting because we were talking about the winter solstice and the light and dark themes and the, mm-hmm. you know, the polarities and opposites. And so it, it was polarities of things like happiness and sorrow, life and death. And, and it also had connotations of wisdom, which again makes sense with the, uh, the, the Enki type figure bringing mm-hmm. knowledge and integrity, which makes sense too for Capricorn. I think as an archetype does have a good sense of integrity, you know, um, yeah. you, in, in a positive business sense, you know, in its mm-hmm. best manifestation mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. There's definitely something in all of these myths about using knowledge to transform your state in some way. Correspondences? I think so. Oh, did we talk we about, we forgot to talk about court cards. I always have to remember, kind of mention. Well, I think we did a little, but. We did a little. We a talked lot. about the, the Queen of Pentacles as sort of in charge of the two and three of disc goals. And we talked in the last episode about her shadow deck and the, the ten of wands. So, you know, there's definitely something in here about the sort of shrewd looking ahead to what you're going to grow, I guess. You know, it's always been kind of interesting to me that the Knight or Prince of Swords has that shadow decan of of that four of discs. It's almost like this is a child of privilege who has to go and prove himself in the five and six of swords by striking out for new territory. That's Mm. the uh, difference between Capricorn and Aquarius. Yeah, out of out of that stagnation of the four of discs, then there has to come some sort of innovation, which is what you're heading towards in the six of swords. Right, and also, you know, the five of swords is like taking a big risk and breaking that fortress of the four. Yeah, right, right, which is which takes a certain kind of courage and recklessness as well. (laughs) Okay, so uh, yeah, correspondences. You want to do color? Love the colors. Yeah, yeah, all those. Dark, cold colors, uh, yeah. indigo, black, blue-black, and cold, very dark gray. <laughs> they all sound like Saturn out at the outer edges of space, you know? <laughs> right, where you can just barely see anything. <laughs> uh, and then we have the geomantic figure of Carcer, the prison, which mm. makes all kinds of sense. Even That's looks very like Saturnine it. with the bindings and the, you know, the boundaries and the bindings and the restrictions. It is. It is. But there's also something, Capricorn is a nocturnal feminine sign, and I don't know, there's something a little vesica piscis about it, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, it's said, you know, geomantically to be those things, restrict restrictions mm-hmm. and boundaries, but also provides great strength of structure yeah. and, you know, the the safety of that, refuge of structure. That certainly makes me think of the sort of restrictions, but also shaping qualities of Bina, you know, the great sea of Bina, which is uh, associated with Saturn as well. Mm, form. So we talked about parts of the body, the knees and tendons. Mm-hmm. Hexagram 31. Xian. So that is the watery part of Earth. Lake you know, over mountain. Lake over mountain. Dwei over again, I think. I like lake over mountain for the queen of discicles too, you know, like yeah. the way she's... She's got that oasis in the desert in the Thoth card. Yeah, yeah, or mountain lake kind of feeling to it. There's definitely an enclosed, you know, you can say prison, but you can also say garden, right? You know, oasis, that enclosed yeah. space. <laughs> right, yeah, yeah, yeah. the secret garden. You know, your perspective as to whether it is keeping you in or keeping others out, you know, is something that's really up to you. The, the, pal- the meanings of, of that hexagram, you know, it's, I think it, literally translates as something like influence Mm -hmm. and she definitely seems like 
the type of figure that would have influence, you know, very, very sure. strong. Um, sure. And some of the connotations are persistence and perseverance, mm-hmm. um, which sounds very Saturnine, and yet success through humility, which seems like a kind of Capricorn thing, the way they're quietly ambitious. They're not out there being flashy right. and showy and rushing. They're just quietly doing the responsible thing until they s- succeed. It's sort of been hard for me to sort of reconcile the Earth Mother I used to think of the Queen of Pentacles as with the sort of Capricorn qualities, but there is that long-term vision, what every gardener (laughs) experiences in February, (laughs) you know, (laughs) the vision of the the beautiful, bountiful, blooming garden uh, that motivates you despite everything. (laughs) The places that are associated with Capricorn are, according to Picatrix, the palaces of kings, gardens, of course, enclosed places, places where captives Graveyards, gather. Graveyards, perhaps? Probably. Jails, you know, uh, places of great men. So it's interesting because both jails and palaces are part of this card. And it makes you think of the way that people in power sometimes are imprisoned by their own power. You succeed and you create a fortress around yourself to keep people out, but you're also keeping yourself in. So strong trees like the olive, the nut, and again, the oak I have here for some reason. I also Uh, think of trees like that are, you know, the places you go to in the forest where it's really dark and it's usually like a pine grove or a hemlock grove, you know, like I think of those types of trees as being associated for me with Saturn. And in fact, hemlock is associated with Saturn, but of course, that's the hemlock plant of Europe, the poisonous Mm. one. But But I think of pine and hemlock as being Saturnine. I do too. Oh, I do too. And then I there's think... comfrey as an herb, which is said mm-hmm. to knit bones back together, which Capricorn in the body is the knees, the joints, the bones, the teeth, you know, mm-hmm. those things. And nightshades, nightshades as well. Um, mm, hemp as well. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking of like the potato that grows beneath the earth, but also, mm. you know, but also nightshades in the sense that the belladonna, uh, yeah. the, you know, yep. they are somewhat toxic. Let's see. Oh, animals, reptiles and serpents I have. Crows and wolves, I usually mm-hmm. like for Saturn and Capricorn. Goats and asses. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. the, and for uh, stones, the onyx, mm-hmm. you know, black stone, All like an onyx ones. or black yeah. diamond. Mm-hmm. And coal and jet also. Oh, yeah. Jet's a great one. Jet is so weird and interesting, isn't it? Because it's essentially yeah. fossilized wood, isn't it? Yeah. So it's just when it's, you lift it. it I always pair it with amber, you know, they're mm-hmm. both, you know, fossil, amber being fossilized resin and jet being fossilized wood and one being like very solar and light and the other being very mm-hmm. Saturnine and dark. And there's a tradition of stringing jet and amber together. I, I've done this. I actually have a few necklaces mm-hmm. I've made that, Ooh, that on the uh, solstice when light and dark are balanced, that's when you string your amber and jet. Oh, that's it's kind great. Of a, I don't know if it's Wiccan or, or what the... But basically yeah. both of those stones are uh, have the property of, a tr- of, of holding a, like a magnetic charge or an electric charge yes. so that they will actually like attract th- dust to them and things to them. Like, you know, mm-hmm. they, they, they hold a, They hold the charge somehow. Yeah. They're not properties. the same as, you know, as the crystalline stones, because it, I, I suppose yeah, it's they're more, they organic, more organic. I guess. Yeah. More living things. And, One and actually stones. wasn't jet used historically as a mourning stone. Um, mm-hmm. I believe jet jewelry in Victorian times. Yeah. In the Victorian times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the yeah. morning jewelry was either jet or onyx. 
It's very protective, you know. It's a it's a yeah. great uh, talisman for protection. Calcium skeleton and bones and coffins and <laughs> clocks <laughs> are all associated with Capricorn. Smells musk and civet and animalics. Mm, I like the, those. I do too. Those are the ones that you know. I really scared to use them because they're so strong, but they're the ones that go into my animalic perfume, clever beast. Yeah. There's a whole thing now where you. you I mean, because of you don't want to be killing rare, yeah. endangered animals. You can't even get real ones anymore. Yeah, They're you all use synthetic the synthetics. Yeah, they don't yeah. smell the same to me. No, <laughs> no. I had the I had the almost unheard of privilege once of having a little bit of musk yeah. that I I got somehow when I was a teenager, and you cannot find. Yeah, real I've heard that. You just can't. <laughs> yeah. It's almost impossible anyway. Yeah, I suppose the musk deer is almost certainly endangered. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But the, yeah. the... Magical weapons and powers we haven't done. Ah, uh, magical uh, weapons, the secret force and the lamp. Which makes perfect sense with all the things we've been talking about. Yeah, definitely. Both things tie in. Yeah. The light and darkness kind of themes. And then the magical powers... Uh, seven 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 says the witch's Sabbath, so called, <laughs> so called, <laughs> yes. and the evil eye. <laughs> Particularly I mean the eye, you know, the, whole, the, the, mm-hmm. the the devil mm-hmm. card being associated with a in the eye. Did we mm-hmm. did we talk about that? Yeah, we did. Okay. We did. Yeah. I yeah, don't. And, I, I don't think we did much Kabbalah, so that's not too much know. Kabbalah. I mean, it's. I think there's plenty of it in the episode for the devil. Well, the, um, we, we can just yeah. mention that you know a in corresponds mm-hmm. to the eye and mention that the path goes from Hode to Teferet, yeah, opposite also... the path of the death card. So I kind of think of them as a pair in a sense of like life and death kind of thing. Lord themes. of the gates of matter, Lord of the gates of death. And the fact that Hode also, you know, it's interesting because it is such a sphere of the mind uh, mm. and the rational. And the devil is a trickster figure for mm-hmm. sure. He's very much a Mercury trickster type bringer of knowledge but yeah i mean the eye is particularly interesting because in addition to the idea of the good eye and the bad eye we also have the fact that it's our primary sense but it can be fooled you know there's also that idea of that so many powerful gods are referred to as eyes you know mm-hmm. there's that enki we talked about lord of the sacred eye but there's you know the cosmic eye of the sun you know soul mm-hmm. being Apollo was called an eye. So many gods were called like the all-seeing eye. Like yeah. just this connotation of these very powerful deities being called eyes. Right. And Hod is actually, you know, Hod and Netzach are known as the spheres of prophecy, whereas Netzach is the sort of inspired direct communication from the divine. The Hod is the interpretive one, the sort of like humble, sort of like indirect interpretation of prophecy. And that's interesting in relationship to the idea of the eye, because there's a blindness to it, right? It's something that Crowley also spoke about in terms of blind lust, but also sort of like, you know, the, the eye belongs to the divine and <laughs> the interpretation, the mental, logical, rational sort of operating on instruments interpretation belongs to us. But this is where things can be, where things and can I go I think wrong. we, like we mentioned in the last episode for Sagittarius, all the, the three paths that connect to Teferet, the, the sun, you know, the sphere of the sun, um, mm-hmm. are all kind of trials and tests in a, in a sense. Absolutely. You know, the, the, the trial and test in the Capricorn card, the devil card would be, you know, just how do you handle raw power? How do you maintain integrity? Alrighty. So um, I think that does it for Capricorn. Uh, we've talked about its attributes of power and 
material uh, mastery. Matter and time. Whether matter is real or an illusion of matter. Um, mm-hmm. Is the illusion of matter a form of bondage? The unbreakable or is it, Or is the illusion of matter pure manifestation? Kind of both. Uh, gods of civilization and fertility, demiurgic gods. The idea of Father Time, the end of the year and the beginning of the next one, the recycling of those resources. Lusty gods, being in it to win it, <laughs> climb that hill. The goatfish and his mountain that he climbs. Redeemers of civilization through the gift of knowledge. The gift and the curse of knowledge, I guess you could say. And the gift and curse of power, the tricksterism of Dionysus and Pan, the metamorphic qualities. Okay, so that does it for our investigation of the very dark places. (laughs) And we will be returning next time with the other sign of Saturn, Aquarius. See you then.